you have to look at three factors before you get an insurance. Number one, is the company stable? So how do you know if the company is stable? How long are, are they operating in the local country and abroad? So how many years are they getting awarded? Something like that. Do they comply to all the regulations? They don't have any sanctions? That's the first thing. Hi, Ruth. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Yes, we're back for another episode of Where the F Am I Heading? So this is really an exciting conversation and very timely because for sure, if you're going to check your friends list, perhaps 50% of them is like our guest today. So before I introduce, I just want to give a brief background of our guest. Our guest for today, she's actually a colleague of mine 10 years ago. And surprisingly, because wow. when we were together, she's one of those who you can really see that this person is so persistent. She's so dedicated. And you would know that she would succeed because she's, she's a go-getter. And she's a mom. And I, I'm just happy to see she bloom. And she's blooming. Mm. Right now. So without further ado, I want to call our guest for today, Jess. Hi, Jess. Hi, Jess. Hi, Irene. Hi, Ruth. Good morning. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, we don't know what time is it. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> and it's good to always say good morning, even if it's already afternoon or night, right? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. For our episode for today, we are going to talk about insurance. So let's talk about insurances. And we want to know, is it just a fad for me to deal? So before we go into the details of the conversation, Mami just can you give us a background, a brief story of who you are? Okay, thanks for that, Ruth. So before joining the company that I'm connected right now, I've actually worked with several financial institutions. So that's where we work together. I'm a stockbroker you know, by profession, and then I work in a bank, international banks, financial analysts, broker-dealer deal- analysts, etc., and the likes. So when I started this industry, I, I just started as part-time because, of course, we need a full-time, a fixed income. I have kids to support, so I cannot just give up my job. So I just started as a part-time financial advisor. And then when I'm doing it, I love what I'm doing. So everything went well. I uh, eventually got promoted as a unit manager. And at the moment, I'm already a senior executive unit manager. Under me, I have two other unit managers. So I'm looking to be promoted as branch manager soon. Ah, wow. Amazing. You started like 2017, right? As part-time? Yes, yes. 2017. So imagine in just three years, you were able to really climb up the ladder that fast. And that's amazing. You know, amazing result. And you mentioned that you have a, a good amount of years in terms of financial background. So that's a, a yes. sound background. For sure. I just want to ask, because you mentioned that you are a financial advisor. Is there any difference between financial advisor and insurance broker or agent? And that's actually just the same. Insurance agent and financial advisors are just the same. So financial advisor in general, they offer insurance and investments. In the past, like before this generation, insurance industry is just purely about insurance. 
So that's why we call those agents who offer insurance as insurance agent. But as you see, as, as the insurance industry evolved, we now offer additional investment on top or together with the insurance. So that's why now we call insurance agent as financial advisor because we also provide financial solutions like investments, educational plans, retirements. So we now call ourselves as financial advisor, not just insurance agent because insurance agent only focus on insurance while financial advisor now offers not just insurance but other other types of products as well yeah one of the product is called BUL is that right yes yes it's okay. variable universal life mm-hmm. yeah. that's interesting to know because i have a story back in 2000 and i think between 2011 and 2012 so i was already earning well that time and i know i want to invest and at the same time, I want mm-hmm. insurance. So I was already looking for an agent or someone who can help me out in that path. And back then, I don't know if I have any friends who can help me, who is an advisor, financial advisor. So what I did, I even reached out to one of the top financial insurance company yeah, yeah. in the country. I sent an email, I sent a chat message in their customer service. I even called. No one mm-hmm. called me back. It's like, <laughs> I need help. I need help. So it was so difficult to talk to someone back then. And surprisingly, yeah. what do you think is the reason behind the search of financial advisors? Because right now, it seems like all of my friends are financial advisors. I'm, yeah. I'm actually happy seeing <laughs> a lot of insurance agents now on yeah. my Facebook. Yeah. Advisors. So that's really surprising. So what do you think is the reason behind the search? I think because of the generation right now, as you know, millennials and Gen Z, they're actually believers already of insurance and investments. When I'm still a financial advisor and meeting up with clients, it's very easy for me to close the deal when I'm talking to a millennial or to a Gen Z. It's very hard to close the deal when I'm talking to Generation Y because, you know, millennials are a very much believer already of this product. So that's why when they're a believer, they also want to do the business because they believe in the product. They believe that insurance and investment is good. So they want to offer it as well. And as you know, no, talking about the, the generation, millennials... If you will study their behavior, they are very idealist. Like they want to do something of value. They want to do something significant. Now, aside from getting a good income out of it, they want to do like an advocacy to promote helping people to be financially secure. So the idea, it's actually very good to millennials. And at the same time, because the industry is really good in giving compensation. No, uh, the, the commission is good, not just the commission, but the incentives of traveling abroad is very good. It's, it's very achievable. The money is not coming from clients, but from the company. They really are generous in giving travel incentives. That's good. Yeah, I think because of that incentive, I've seen you been traveling to different places, Mami US. Where are the places you've yes. been to because of this career? I've been to Madrid, <laughs> like where Irene is located, Madrid, Spain, and then all over Europe. I, I, we travel awesome. all over Europe and in Asia as well, Singapore, Malaysia, Korea. And we supposed to travel to the U.S. last 2020, 
and New Zealand. However, because of the pandemic, the travel got canceled, but it got converted to cash. And it's really good. <laughs> we were able to purchase some properties. That's wow. really nice. Okay, let mm-hmm. me sign up as a financial advisor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> but that's really good, right? I just want to know, how do we identify if a financial advisor is a legit financial advisor, especially those who are working abroad? I know for a fact mm. that there are some who are reaching out to them, you know, offering them insurance and whatnot. How, how can we identify if this is a, financial, a legit financial advisor? When I am being asked, I always give an advice that the financial advisor or insurance agent, should, they should know it. Like, it should be their friends or relatives or referred by someone that they trust. Um, they cannot just trust anyone that they see online or someone that they reach out to them online or on Facebook because definitely we don't know who to trust. Now, if in case that you don't know anyone at all, that also your friends doesn't know anyone or your relative doesn't know a financial advisor, you can always ask for their license. Because we have a license, we have a code, a license code. Before we do this business, we have to be registered uh, in insurance commission. We took the exam. Uh, it's an easy exam for both the products that we offer. You know how that they are legit if they don't give you umbrella? <laughs> if they give you umbrella, they're not legit or what? Oh, help me here. <laughs> <laughs> don't accept if they they give you umbrella. And okay, they don't accept if they the give mall. you umbrella and lunch. <laughs> <laughs> no. And no, okay. Me, just 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 so to be clear, right? Sometimes, you know, when I was in Philippines, I have experienced this give you like a bag or an umbrella for a signature. <laughs> oh, that I just remember. Here's the thing though. I've encountered a lot of this like you go to a mall and then but this was when I was maybe in college. So, 18 <laughs> years old, no clue really. And I mean, it's a free umbrella. Why don't I just exchange my signature out of umbrella? And the next thing you know is you have a life insurance. It's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> for real. So, mm. yeah, don't don't fall for that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Before you give your card, <laughs> you have to make sure that you, yes. you understand it well. Yes, yes. And a legit financial advisor will definitely explain everything to you that you should mm, know. That's right. So be careful, not because you're someone you know offers you something or whatnot. Make sure that this person that you're talking to is really a legit financial advisor. Yeah. Another one, I'm not sure if this is a misconception or if this is a reality. Is it true that insurance isn't for everyone as it only caters to middle class and up? Oh, it's not true because there are a lot of affordable plans or policies now as low as, let's say for a personal accident, we have as low as 200 pesos a month. That's for personal accident. Now for insurance only, there is this as low as 600 pesos monthly. And if you want something with investment, there is as low as 1,250 every month. So it's not only for middle class. It's actually for everyone. Uh, as long as you know how to manage and budget your finances, you can squeeze it in your budget. I have a lot of clients that are just employees of factories, something like that. And they, they have the plan. They have policies with, with the company. So do you spend yeah. like time to really explain to them what are they getting? Yes. I'm so skeptical. 
<laughs> it's a requirement. Actually, it's a requirement, uh, Irene, because we are not allowed to just get their signature. Especially nowadays, it's pandemic. We have these requirements to have the face-to-face, non-face-to-face video recording and pictures uh, showing that we do the presentation and the picture together with client and video together with client that they're aware that they know what they're getting. And that's why it's important to talk to a financial advisor because not all products are the same. It's like yes. it's not one size fits all kind of thing. Yes. So that's, that's why, right. yeah, it's important to make sure that your financial advisor is a legit financial advisor because he or she will be able to offer the right fit for you, not yeah, the, that's, just that's the right. product that he or she will get the most amount of commission, commission. But, <laughs> but why why the insurance broker or agent are so intimidating like you go to a bank and suddenly they come to you it's like you want insurance <laughs> that's, that's so scary i don't know i'm scared <laughs> maybe if you have like past experience yeah that that can be valid but with the generation now you can really trust financial advisors they can just explain it to you and if you feel not getting one yet it's okay they will give you time to think they will not force you honestly i just realized when you said it yeah that's right mom because before it's like whenever you walk inside a mall someone will just grab you and you know force you to <laughs> listen something like that it's and even in the street, when you are walking, like someone's gonna stop you. And even if you're in a hurry, no, just give me five minutes, explain this, blah, 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 blah. But nowadays, looking like two years back, yeah, I, I just feel that financial advisors now are more conversational than being forceful. Mm. Yeah, it's yeah. very important. I think the the one you're you're referring to are pre-need companies. And pre-need companies are different from life insurance companies. Pre-need companies are those just like sales agents. They don't have license to do this. While as a financial advisor, we have a license that we're taking care of and we don't want to be removed from this industry just because we force someone. And that's actually good because when you mentioned, I, I miss saying this earlier, when you mentioned that financial advisors are offering the financial solutions, it's like you're not only giving one solution to a need but you know yes. it's all faceted so that's actually good i just want to know because you already mentioned insurance the pre-need insurance i'll jump to this question what are the different types of insurances products you mean to say yeah the, if there's any like types of insurance or yeah products so so, products. so we can have an idea yeah there we we only have two types of products no, in the philippines we have the traditional life insurance so traditional life insurance are just purely insurance while the other one is vul like what irene mentioned earlier vul is with investment and vul takes it matures around five to 10 years isn't it you can choose they, they can choose, yes. There is a regular paying plan, continuous paying like a retirement, like SSS retirement fund. Mm -hmm. They can continuously pay it until they retire. There's also this limited pay that they can choose like five years or seven years, 10 years or 15 years. As Ruth mentioned earlier, we have a lot of plans. We actually talk 
to clients, check their goals and objectives, and of course, their timelines before we offer, before we create a plan for them. So, for example, I'm a first-time client. Like, I don't have any mm. background. I don't know anyone. This is my first time to talk to a financial advisor. What are the questions I have to ask my advisor before signing a policy? Um, yeah, the, the good question you mentioned earlier, how many years will I have to pay this? Of course, for how many years, it's very important that your financial advisor is transparent to tell you if it's a regular paying plan until you retire or if it's just 10 years or if it's just 15 years. And you have to also tell your financial advisor how many years you wanted to pay it. Another question you need to ask is, what if I, I decided to withdraw? What are the charges involved? Also, you need to ask your financial advisor, where will this invested to? Because it's your money. Now. As I mentioned earlier, there is this in insurance with investment. So we invest the money. Part of it we invest. Part of it you pay for your insurance. And if you need to claim Let's say something uncertain happened. Where will you claim? How will you claim? What are the processes? So those are some important things that you need to ask your financial advisors before you sign. I see, I see. So hopefully for the listeners out there, you were able to get those questions. So the next time you will talk to a financial advisor, you will ask those questions. And if yes. your financial advisor were not able to or was not able to answer, so... Maybe you have to think twice <laughs> if that's the right financial advice for you. Anyhow, yes. you mentioned about what if I want to withdraw. Mm. So what if in the middle of my policy, I lost my job and I could no longer afford to pay the premium? What will happen to the money that I've already put in? Okay. It depends on how many years you're already paying the plan. Say, for example... Uh, you just got the plan. It's just a year. So the money's it's gone. <laughs> it's gone because you're just paying for the insurance, right? If it's just first year. However, if if you're already, let's say, on the third year, that means that you're not just paying for insurance, but you already have some investment in it. So your investment, it's actually sustaining some of the charges. And at the same time, the investment is still growing as it is uh, being invested and being rolled over and rolled over. So it's okay if, let's say, you have already a fund value or investment and if you stop paying, we have what we call premium holiday. You can stop paying as long as you have already savings or fund value on the account. Now, how would you know if you have fund value? It's very important that you have an access to the portal or the website of your plan. So you will know how much is your money already. Okay. Uh, if, for example, you get a plan of, let's say, uh, 3000 monthly and you expect that in a year you have 36000 that's not it. Okay. Because uh, when you get a plan, you're not just saving money for investment. You're paying for insurance as well. So you have to consider those charges that you're paying, insurance charges, management fee. Now, usually the investment build up when it's already on the third year because of the charges, it's getting lesser as the insurance old. Now, there are other types of plan as well that are heavy on investment. If you want that, you will just have to tell that to your financial advisor that you want an a policy that are heavy on investment so that on the first year of the plan, you already have investment on it. I see, I see. So you mentioned about for VUL that they yes. have to make sure or to ask 
what stocks their the the company will be investing yes. into. Is there a way for a client to choose which stocks, or it's predetermined already? Well, with us, it depends on the insurance company. Okay. Some insurance company they have they have the option to select fund. Uh-huh. VRL is like mutual funds, or uh-huh. it's like UITF. It's a pool of funds. Uh-huh. Uh, it's a combination of companies to purchase. So with our case, uh, with our company, we have what we call equity fund where we invest to the top 30 corporations in the Philippines. Top 30 corporations uh, are those in uh, Philippine Stocks and Exchange Index. So it's a discretionary account. So we're the one to decide what to purchase, but they can see it online. Now, if they don't want the equity anymore, they can select to switch to bond, which is more safe, or they can select the other one, which is in the middle. We call it manage. It's a 50-50, 50% to stocks and 50% to bonds. Mm-hmm. So it's like it depends on the risk appetite of the client. Yes, yes. Also, I, I want to know, what are the factors I need to look at in an insurance company? You have to look at three factors before you get an insurance. Number one, is the company stable? So how do you know if the company is stable? How long are, are they operating in the local country and abroad? So how many years are they getting awarded? Something like that. Do they comply to all the regulations? They don't have any sanctions? That's the first thing. Number two is, how good is the investment advisor? Now, how would you know if the investment advisor is good or investment manager? You check their history of investment return, the ROI. You can ask that to your financial advisor. Can I have the ROI of your fund manager? They will give it to you. And then the last, of course, is how trusted is your financial advisor? So how long do you know this person? Do you see him really trustworthy? Can you reach out to the person in case you need to claim or you need something in your account? Can you easily reach out to the person? Those are the three factors to consider when selecting an insurance company or selecting where to get your policy. Yeah, mm-hmm. and to check if your financial advisor has an insurance as well. <laughs> so what's the point yeah. of getting an insurance from someone? If they don't trust their own product, no need to yeah. trust them. <laughs> That's really good. I'm actually learning a lot from that because, you know, when I got my BUL maybe three years ago, I got it just because I just want to start something small, you know, I just want to test the water, you know, because like I'm a very skeptical person in terms of my money, you know, <laughs> I'm really skeptical. Yeah. So I got it, but I did not really ask any of those questions. <laughs> None of those. The only thing I ask is until when I have to pay. I thought you were only after the umbrella. <laughs> no, this was a different. This was when, you know, three years ago. So that was like after five, uh, three years of umbrella. And then, yeah. <laughs> because everybody's getting insurance and why I don't have any insurance. So that's like the copy paste, you know, domino effect of this. When you see a lot of people getting insurance, you feel like Almost. I should have it as yeah, well. Almost. Yeah. And <laughs> so I got, I got my BUL, but I trust this bank and the people in it because i've been you know dealing with them for a while and i'm i'm at ease actually i'm at ease with them i'm happy but the knowledge around like when am i getting my money i have no clue (laughs) they just get money out of my bank every month and 
I hope they don't really, you know, get more than what we agreed on. But so far, they don't <laughs> get more than what we agreed on. But when I go back to Philippines, I might actually talk to them and maybe they could explain to me further. I just have no clue. Well, don't be like me, okay? Do your research right away. And that's the due diligence that Ruth is telling about. Every time yeah. here in, in, the, in the podcast, do your research. And I should do my research. Yeah, I could have done my own research. I did not, <laughs> which is a wrong move. But now, you know, I have watched a lot of movies, YouTube about investigations and stuff like that, about, you know, married couple, like, like a mother being murdered. Even the kids murder or kill their parents to claim insurance. So I have that fear. I, I'm not married, by the way. And I don't have kids. My mom, she has no clue about insurance. She's like, no clue about banks. So maybe I'm safe on that part. But how can you convince someone like me that have that mindset? I'm, I'm scared. So I did that VUL, like what I said, but that is it. I don't have life insurance, which some people would say I should have life insurance. It's different though. My point of view now, because I don't have kids, I feel like no one is relying on me but I know for sure I'm like even though I'm scared when I have kids I should no excuse I should get life insurance no excuse because that's just how you make sure your kids are taken care of but now that I don't have kids I don't see the point of getting life insurance if it's just like let's say one day I get married and then so of course the husband would know like oh you're insured (laughs) 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 because you know for me I want to set up myself as I am useful I want you to know I am useful alive than dead and that's what I always try to you know when I come across with my family and relatives I want them before they decide to kill me because I come across that way back before they decide to kill me they should think I think if she's dead we get nothing so we keep her alive yeah (laughs) and and so how would you convince me well the the scenario is not yet applicable to you because you're not yet married and you don't have kids yet I can convince you right now even if you're not married you need the life insurance because life insurance has a uh, critical illness coverage protection so if there's no one relying on you definitely you cannot rely on to anyone right and you don't want to spend your hard-earned money paying for the hospital bills paying for like how many millions if uncertainties happen for you to get well now with the scenario in case you get married you have an option not to put your husband or your spouse you have an option to put your mother or your sister or your son or daughter I think it's it's very unusual question in the Philippines because you, as you know the Philippines uh, it's very close family ties and we love each other. Mm, nah, they haven't <laughs> discussed about the land yet. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. We we do the proper investigation on our end in insurance company, insurance industry. Uh, we know if it's legit debt or what. Those who do the crime will not still will not still get anything out of it. <laughs> it's very hard to answer. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like a lot okay. of things. Yeah, because it happens in other countries, right? So it's very hard for me to answer because in the Philippine scenario, it's really not happening. But uh, life think, insurance is not that common in Philippines, isn't it? For now, it, it's not. For now, yeah, it's not just for the rich common. people, I think. But for the <laughs> the life insurance, is, I think, is just for the rich for now. Because the, for, the poor one, they you have to think about, okay, medical insurance, yeah, health insurance, yes. 
it's need, mm-hmm. they will probably chip in to really make that happen but for the life insurance it's a bit tough because every day mm. the extra money is for rice for food for other stuff and if they yes. die it's sad that they can't have any but they have nothing for the family really yeah it's a matter of my daily sustenance versus the future versus the future yeah yes if i have a limited money i'd rather choose what can sustain me today right? yes and, and maybe that's the reason why there's a paradigm shift from the millennials because yes majority are coming from that environment and mm. because maybe some of the millennials were able to somehow succeed in life that's why maybe that's there's huge growth in this aspect yes I agree. You know, I'm I'm interested to answer to the next question <laughs> because you know I want to learn how to use these excuses myself. <laughs> so I want to ask this personally: What are the common excuses you get from people why they're not getting any insurance? I should write it down. <laughs> First is, of course, they don't have money. That's most common question. They don't have budget at at the moment because they're paying for. Maybe they have credit cards, they have mm-hmm. loans, they purchase something. So it's not in the budget yet. So sometimes they said, I'd get back to me after two months or after a month. And then after two months, they're no longer replying. Something like that. And then other reasons, some people said they have already insurance with the company that they're working for. Mm. And it's common, isn't it? Yes, it's common. And they thought it's enough. So they don't know that... It's just as long as they're working. What yeah. if they're no longer working? So another uh, reason, I, I will ask my spouse, my husband, my wife first <laughs> if they like it. Sometimes it's just an excuse they made, but deep down inside, they don't want it because they don't see the need for it. Actually, that's unveiling the real reason. They don't see yet the need for it. So it's very important to explain well why it's very important. And the fact that sometimes you have to continuously pay every month, I think it's very intimidating because you have to think, okay, so I get uh, this amount of money every month and then a part of it will go to insurance that I don't see really you mm. know that you have like you're covered but you don't really know how the process after like where am I going to get the money if I'm in a hospital who can go and process this so that's why uh, also important is that you have the contact of your financial advisor number one you have an access to your online account so it's it's very important now because it's digital you have to see everything you have to see your profile, your policy. And with the, with the monthly thing, there is an option to pay it annually if you don't want to think about it every month. There is also an option for quarterly or semi-annual. Now, about the monthly paying, it's just like if you're buying a property or uh, a car that you really love, you really want, uh, you, you're sold out that you will invest to it every month and you won't think it as an expense but an investment in the future. Now with insurance, although it's just the paper, you don't see it. Nowadays, that's, that's, that's why there is also an investment because some people really, they don't believe in insurance. They, I'm not going to use it. I'm not going to die yet. So they don't want to get it yet. So that's the beauty of the VUL right now. It's It has an investment. So if you don't see the need of getting the insurance yet, then 
the money in the investment, maybe you can use it for business in the future or for education of children or to purchase property, put up a business or for a retirement. So there are a lot of components nowadays of this uh, insurance. That's really good. I will use some of those. Maybe I will ask a spouse. Yeah. <laughs> to my Just a good excuse. I'm no, just kidding. Um, probably when I go to the bank or to, you know, the, the um, office and they would ask me, I think I will sit down actually and spend time and listen so I could learn instead of just saying straight away, no, I don't want it. I would just mm-hmm. probably just to understand. You don't really have, to, like what you said, you don't have to get it straight away. If you're just there to learn, I think it's a must to learn what you're getting yourself into. And like, what is the youngest, like, earliest age that someone can get insurance? Is there any limit, the, the minimum and then the maximum expiration? <laughs> yeah, you can get it as early as young as seven days old and maybe the parent can get for their children and with the of course old age since this is a business of risk it's just until age 70 because (laughs) who will take the risk of ensuring age higher than that right i remember suddenly so when you are terminally ill or like you have cancer of course once you're you know that this customer have cancer are you still going to accept them as your client or you will advise different solution for it the financial advisors are not underwriters we have underwriters who do Mm -hmm. the assessment usually those with pre-existing conditions critical Mm -hmm. conditions are usually not insurable anymore we can advise them that they may not get approved but if they still want to try we can still try to apply for the insurance. Now, if they didn't get approved, other options are one of their family members can apply and then they're the policy owners. Mm -hmm. Uh, Policy owners are the one in control of the financial while the insured is the one covered for the insurance. Mm. Because, you know, the reason I ask is I remember a few years back, I had a little, just a little bit argument with a person because her friend was convincing her that she needs an insurance right now because her mother have cancer. And then the, the friend that is the insurance agent is telling the mother that they need an insurance right now but she knows that it's against the policy mm-hmm. to convince them to get insurance because there's already an existing condition medical yep. uh, condition and so i told my friend don't fall for that because i mean i may not know a lot about this stuff but there's a lot of information about this in the mm-hmm. internet and you should at least read about like it's not gonna happen you will pay money but they will not mm. give you anything mm. when your mother sent, is being sent to the hospital because at the beginning, they know, they know. that she have this condition. And I have to argue yeah. with my friend for, for quite some time to actually convince her not to because, well, the other friend, the agent is good, of course, sales. Mm. So really good in convincing, but I can't just stand or, or sit back and look at them doing that mistake. Yeah. And with that scenario, the insurance agent shouldn't be trusted at all. Oh, yeah. Because maybe that person will try to hide the current condition just to get mm-hmm. approved. Because 
to be honest, it, if it's cancer already, it's really not insurable anymore. Although, I have this one case. She's already a survivor. I think it's just a very early stage. stage. She got approved. It's an ovary. So it was removed and then we applied mm. for it. And she got approved. So that's why I said earlier, it's usually uninsurable. We have to set an expectation to the client that it may not be approved, but we can always try. But do not force. <laughs> if you mm-hmm. know that the client is already with a condition, do not force. Because what are you trying to do? <laughs> that adds up yes. to the burden that they're dealing right now. Just to get a commission, oh. you're dragging someone that is already mm. dealing with something big. There's another way to get money, you know, other ways without yes. really doing that kind of thing. Yes. Let's say I get my insurance. Can I change the beneficiary? Yes. Let's say I put my mom, but then can I change it to my sister without any hassle? Yes, you can. As long as you choose the revocable beneficiary, because we have two types of beneficiary, revocable mm-hmm. and irrevocable. When you choose the irrevocable, you cannot just change it right away. You have to have the beneficiary sign and agreed that you are changing her, right? Mm -hmm. But if you choose the revocable, you can change it anytime you want. Oh, you can you can change it through in, in online or do you have to go and call or you can change uh using forms. Uh in our case we have forms to fill Mm -hmm. out. We can send it via email for now. Okay. So let's say I die. I have insurance. I'm insured and I died in Spain but this insurance is in Philippines and my beneficiary is my mother how can she know and I did not tell I don't tell my mother I have insurance because I don't want them to start having a a coup (laughs) and plan with them so she have no clue I have this how can she be informed you have to tell your financial advisor that if something happened to you you have to inform my family If the financial advisor is very dedicated financial advisor, they should and should always check on the clients. Always. Now, with the cases, some insurance uh, companies, um, they only offer through banks. They really have no financial advisors in the banks. They have bank assurance only. So since there is no financial advisor to take care of you, to check on you and the bank will never know as well if something happens. So there's really no way for the family to know, mm-hmm. right? So it's very important to either tell the family that there is an insurance in force or to tell the financial advisor to inform the family in case something happens. Or maybe a trusted friend. A trusted friend is also okay. <laughs> Ruth? Trusted, trusted friend who doesn't have an yes. interest yeah. over whatever the money Yeah. Yes. To make it harder for you, what if the friend doesn't know I die? <laughs> Sorry, Jess. This question's coming from Irene. These are actually possible. It's for me for my future. <laughs> then the money, uh, the insurance is just there in the company because the company mm-hmm. doesn't know if the insured is still alive or not. Okay, so let's say they found out 10 years later. Can they still collect it? Yes. But Okay, as long as the beneficiary is still alive. Yes, as long as the policy is still in force. Because it depends on the types of policy. There are some policies with investments, right? And then Mm -hmm. what if, for example, 
if the insured is paying only, they paid for, let's say, three years. And then mm. the money in the account is only, let's say, 20,000 pesos. So that 20,000, it may grow because it's being invested. But what if the market is not good? It, it may get lost and it may be paying for the fees. So the policy may not be enforced anymore after many years. We don't know. Before I ask more stupid question, I will pass it to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just want to go back because when you said earlier that the maximum insurable age is 70 years old. Yes. For example, I'm a policy holder and I'm already 75. So what happens to the money? And I'm still alive. But you get it before yours age 17. So what I'm telling earlier is the application of policy. Ah, okay. The age bracket should be from 7 days old to 70 years old. Mm-hmm. Now, okay. for example, if you get your policy at let's say at age 30 and then you already mm-hmm. reach your let's say 75, you're still insured, you're still covered. With mm-hmm. our company, we cover up, up to age 100. As long mm-hmm. as you get it before the 70 years old. Mm-hmm. Well, let's say, for example, you're at age 100. You will get the full coverage and the investment value. But then at any time in your age, let's say you're at the age 50, you can get some of the investment. It's okay. You can make withdrawals. What happens to the policy if the insurance company is sold or bankrupt? Usually, uh, insurance companies are backed up by a mother company internationally. So it's very impossible for insurance company to get bankrupt. But just in case it happens, insurance company has insurer because we highly believe in insurance. So we also have our insurer. And the insurance companies or the insurance commission, we call it RBC, risk-based capital. That means that Mm -hmm. before we put an insurance company in the Philippines, we should have at least 100% capital of our coverage. Let's say we're covering 50 billion uh, insurance, we should have 50 billion funds in in our reserve funds. So it's a requirement of the insurance commission. So it's very low risk that that will happen. Yes, that's right. Now, with the question, why is it that some companies are closing? Those are not insurance companies. Those are pre-need companies. And pre-need companies are just locally built. So mm-hmm. no international backup. And most of the time they are for health? And education. Yeah, yeah, okay. The problem in the past with pre-need companies is they promise an exact amount. For example, mm-hmm. those going to college, they will get 100,000 in the first year, 200,000 in the second year, etc. But that's not true. That's not true because the company is investing the money and they shouldn't mm-hmm. promise an exact amount. Like now nowadays with the UL, we only show them projection or of estimate. investment. Estimate, yes. According to the historical. But then again, it's still subject to change because of the volatility of the market. Yes. Yeah. And maybe that's the reason why a lot of parents are skeptical in terms of life insurance because of the experience they've had with the past. Because there's a lot of parents who took 
insurance from the pre-need company. Yes. So when this happened, maybe that's the reason why they are kind of skeptical about getting life insurance as well. Because for, for example, my parents, they took a plan for my brother and it's really a good amount of money because they're preparing for my brother's college tuition fees. So mm. it's no joke losing money. So to Mamira's point earlier, if you're going to look for an insurance company, make sure that this company has, of course, an insurance. There's a capital that can cover if something happens, right? Yes. Because that's your money. That's your hard-earned money, right? Yes. You have to really do your own research. Yes, so, yeah. that's right. I just want to add, you know, before I came here in Spain, I have no clue. Well, I know about insurance because of the, the when I worked in Philippines before, we're like kind of required to have insurance, right? It's part of the whole contract, but that's only a medical. It's, it doesn't really have life insurance. And then when I come to Spain, I can't actually get a citizenship without health insurance. And before, I don't see the point why I need an insurance. I mean, I'm healthy. I'm young, right? But then something happened. I got sick. I went to the hospital and I paid nothing. I mean, zero. I paid nothing. Wow. And, you know, in Spain, if you don't have insurance, they will remove your kidney, I guess, to sell just to cover the, <laughs> the bill. You know, medical is expensive. And that's when I realized that it's not too late, of course, I'm still young, but it's not too late to really think about getting insurance. And even if you're a bit older and if you don't have insurance, I think you should really save money, prioritize that over some mm. material things that, it's the same thing. You spend money on the restaurant and you can spend the same exact amount of money for the insurance and you will have yes. peace of mind for quite some time. But the fact that I paid nothing when I had to go to the hospital in Spain, and even if I'm in Bulgaria right now, I'm covered because of this private insurance. I have a peace of mind. I get accident or whatever. I don't have to worry about paying the hospital. And that is a big thing, a big deal, right? You mm. pay just certain amount of money. Well, not really that small money, but you're paying something. If you combine it for a year, two years of paying every month into the one-time accident, big difference. Yes, that's right. So we're actually about to end this conversation i just want to ask mommy just what's your advice for those who are interested to become a financial advisor okay so those who would like to join this industry this career is a very noble profession i can say i've been through like several companies i've worked for more than 10 years, as Ruth know that <laughs> we've worked together before. So I've worked to financial giants, multinational companies, and I'm getting a good income in those companies. Now, the reason why I shift in this industry, because I found that I'm, I'm giving a, something of good value to our clients, no? giving peace of mind to every Filipino families, most especially in their times of needs, most especially this pandemic. A lot of people are dying. A lot of people are spending a lot of money, millions of money just to get well. And that's the value of what we offer. And also, not just that, the career growth in this industry is really good. I didn't expect to become a unit manager that easily and just a matter of like two years become a unit manager managing almost 200 people. And it, it feels good. I, I can say this. To become truly successful, you have to help other people to become successful. I, I, I don't badmouth my previous company, but 
unlike in the corporate world, it's very hard to become successful if you help other people become successful. <laughs> That's in the corporate world. But here in this industry, I have to help my team become successful. That's when I become successful, right? And also, we can travel all, all around the world, and that's free. <laughs> that's a good thing about it. It's free. But of course, the pay is the hard work, the perseverance. Of course, we don't just get it for free. <laughs> we don't work really hard, right? So if you want to, to join the industry, don't just look at the incentives or the cash or the commission or the travel that you will get from it. But look at the reason, the advocacy. If you're happy doing it, then everything will just follow. Awards, recognition, travels, money, everything will just follow. But first thing first, you have to be passionate. You have to love what you're doing. I think it applies to everything, not just in the insurance industry, even in other careers. That's very well said. And yeah, I, I, I'm also a believer, and I think I even would agree to, that successful people helps other people to be successful. Like you would yes. only grow if others grow. So mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And what is your advice for those who are still not insured or are not buying into the idea of insurance? I think you really have to open yourself, be open-minded about it. Uh, listen to a financial advisor. Just listen to them. Learn from what they'll tell you. Uh, they're not going to force you to get one if you don't really like it. But if you love your family, you'll get one. Because every one of us, we're working really hard because of one reason. Because we love our family, right? Because we wanted to provide for our family. Now, if you love your family, what if something happens to you? And then what will you leave your family behind? Will the savings that you have in the bank be enough for them to continue on with the lifestyle that you give them? Let's say, for example, if you have a children supposed to study and go to college, and what if something happens to you? No, we don't know. Life is very uncertain. So it's better to really get one. Also, again, as mentioned earlier by, by Irene, very important to get yourself protected because critical illness is very real. And a lot of people are really getting it. So uh, we don't want to get it. We want to be healthy. We want to live longer. There's no wrong of getting yourself protected just in case something happens. We don't have to beg to anyone. We don't have to do the crowdfunding, the party, asking our relatives. Because we don't want to beg for more relatives and we don't want to sell our properties. We don't want to withdraw all our money in the banks. The business is just really a business of risk. It's just transferring our risk to the insurance company. A risk of getting sick, a risk of getting old, a risk of dying early. Because that's really going to happen, but we just don't know when. So since we know it's going to happen, then we just transfer the risk to the insurance company. Thank you, Mama. When she was talking, it feels like a mom is you know, talking to yeah. her kids. But thank you, thank you so much, Mommy Jess, for this insightful conversation. I've been... I'm a believer of insurance for a long time now. But there's still a lot of things I learned from you. So thank you, thank you so much for giving your time and sharing your knowledge. So before we close, I just want to ask, 
This is a really great conversation. I want to ask Irene if there's any takeaway <laughs> in this conversation. Do you have any takeaways or you've learned something new out of this conversation? Not necessarily you're going to buy insurance, definitely not, but something that you can take after this conversation. Yeah. A lot, actually, a lot. You know, I've been mentioning this a lot that I'm a skeptical person in terms of finances. I mean, I'm a self-taught in terms of taking care of my own finances. And I think I'm doing well with that. Like also teaching others to actually save and stuff. But I'm good with saving, but not really good in insurance, Mm -hmm. kind of, in terms of the finances. Because the only thing I know about insurance way back was so I can get a free dental (laughs) dental clinic, obviously. Um, that's the only thing I I don't know I don't know about you guys I'm, I'm not that old so that's the only thing I know the first thing I got when I got a job is like they said oh you have a health insurance HMO yeah, yeah you have health insurance and I took advantage of that so but the takeaway I get here is you should really search you should read I mean don't be lazy in reading about the policy don't be lazy reading about about the company that you are going to get your insurance from and don't be scared really to put a little or a a bit of your salary don't think that it's gone forever think of it as you will have peace of mind for the time being you know for your future and for the life insurance I'm still skeptical obviously I don't have kids (laughs) so that's the thing that they have a lot of you know it needs a lot of work mm-hmm. and maybe the right time but now I'm not getting any life insurance that for sure um, but the health insurance you know now I'm a believer of it that we need it as much how, it doesn't matter how tough you are or how healthy you are right now one day you will just meet a terrible sickness you know especially now there's COVID actually and I'm happy mm-hmm. that my insurance actually covered that when COVID started I freaked out I'm in Spain with the highest level of cases every single day. And I freaked out. What will happen? I mean, they will send me to the hospital if I get sick. And then when I'm in the hospital, I can't afford to pay any of this. But then a week later, I get an email from the insurance company. It says, don't worry about it. We covered it for you. I mean, imagine you can sleep at night (laughs) without worrying so much if you get sick. Even if you have to pay 25%, 25% is still better than paying a full 100% 100% of the bills, right? But the VUL, I'm interested, and I might really sit down and talk to that agent and, you yeah. know, like heart-to-heart conversation. Yeah, and ask the right questions. Yeah. Ask question, really. If you understand nothing, ask question. Don't be shy. It's, yeah. it's worth it. It's worth talking to, and it's worth teaching, but not convincing your relatives or the young ones teach them at young age that don't be scared with insurance yes. to prepare for the future and being proactive is part of you know having insurance for your family as much as you know, I love my family my selective okay. I, I love this <laughs> few parts in <laughs> selective way not all, not <laughs> um, I love them but at the same time you know I want them to learn to save for themselves. I want them to secure themselves. For for a while, I've been trying to teach them to be financial literate and financial independent for quite some time, really. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a 
actually great because this is a good conversation because as you can see, Irene and I have different perspectives in terms of insurance. Mm-hmm. And that's why we wanted to have this conversation. Because like for myself, I'm always a believer. We know that storms are coming. So when are you going to prepare? Before the storm comes or during the storm? So that's why I'm into insurance because I know for a fact that if something happens to me and we know that it can happen anytime, at least my family is protected. And that's why th- this conversation is important because Irene and I are coming from different, you know, different perspectives. So I just want to bank on the thought that financial literacy is important. Mm-hmm. Educating yourself about how to secure your finances is, is important. That's why you have to look for a good financial advisor who can really help you, educate you, journey with you in your financial path, and not just sell you the insurance just for the sake of commission. You really have mm-hmm. to have that good relationship with your financial advisor. So again, thank you so much, Mommy Jen. Thank you. Is there any page that yeah, they can they follow can you? you? Yeah. No, I only have a personal page. <laughs> so thank you so much. Thank you. And apologies for my questions. Your... No, it's okay. <laughs> it's just, okay. Those are eye-opening questions. Because for all yes. we know, there are other people who think the same way you do. So, yeah. Yes. Thank you so much. You're welcome, Amidia. So hopefully you you guys got a lot of good insight of this, of this conversation. And once again, there's another episode of Where the F. Am I heading? And this is Ruth. And this is Irene. See you next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>